are blessed in the presence of the Lord. I, I tell you, there's not really anything like worship, amen. And sometimes it's hard to understand when the Bible says that in heaven we'll be worshiping um, God all day and night. I think it's because we don't understand the blessing that it is just to be in the presence of God. And I, for one, look forward to the day when we're all gathered in his presence. Like the Bible says that there is no sun because God is there and God is their son. So we'll be in the presence of God looking at him face to face. And when we worship, that gives us a glimpse of how it's going to be in heaven. So thank you, worship team, for being the conduit of God in, of, for us to go into his presence. So we are at the end of our persuasive signs where we saw the seven miracles that Jesus performed in the book of John, seven miracles that John selected to show us two things, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we shall have life eternally. And so Jesus fed 5,000, and that was just the men. Uh, it's probably 20,000 if you count the children and the, and the ladies that were there. Um, and then Jesus blew everybody's mind by walking on water. And then he, he did the healing of a man born blind. And all these signs showed us that Jesus... In one way or the other, showed us that Jesus was the Messiah, the one that God has chosen, the one that God has sent, and that by believing in Him, in His name, we will have eternal life. So, the, the, the last miracle in that series, Jesus takes it a step higher. We're in a situation where, you know, Jesus on earth was like a normal human, He had friends, and, and some of His friends were the family. Actually, we can call them the better nights. All right, we're going to call them the better nights. And they had Martha. Martha, she was the, the busy, you know, the go-getter, the one that's always working. She's always busy everywhere. She's, uh, you know, there's, there's something to do in the kitchen. She's there. There's something to do in the living room. She's there. She's the busy lady. And then you had Mary. Mary's more the quiet one. And uh, when Jesus was there at their house, Mary, she's just preparing the food and everything. Um, Martha's preparing the food and everything. And Mary, she's at the feet of Jesus just listening to the word. Uh, Martha gets frustrated because her sister is not helping out in the kitchen. And she says, Jesus, tell her to help me. And Jesus tells Martha, what you talking about? Mary chose the good part. She chose the word that cannot be taken away. But then they also had a brother, a big brother called Lazarus. And we don't know a lot about Lazarus except that at a certain point, he got sick. At a certain point, Lazarus got sick. And, and as you can imagine, when you have a loved one that's sick, they're looking for a solution to help him get better. And they remembered that they have a friend that did miracles, that healed the, the, the son of a government official. He healed a, a guy that was lame. He uh, somebody that was blind so they say surely he can heal the man that he loves so he can heal his friend and so they sent for Jesus which was in Jerusalem at the time so they sent for Jesus and they say Jesus the man that you love your homie your homeboy he's sick come and help him and the Bible says 
Jesus loved Lazarus, so he waited more time. Which doesn't really make sense because if I have a loved one that is hurting, I'm not going to take more time. I'm going to hurry to get to give them attention. But Jesus shows that he's in control even of the time. And in Jesus's economy, the situation wasn't bad enough yet. He had to let the situation get worse so that God could get more glory. So we pick up that story in verse 38 of, chap- of John chapter 11. Jesus then arrives in, in Bethany where they're from. And he sees everybody's crying and everybody's hurt. And the shortest verse of the Bible says, Jesus wept. Right? Jesus saw their suffering and he was touched by their suffering, he empathized, meaning he entered their suffering with them, so he wept. And I want to tell you today, whatever you're going through, Jesus sees and he feels your pain. He feels what you're going through. And so we pick it up at verse 38. It says, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb, It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an order, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you You have that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The men who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to them, unbite him, let him go. Father God, your word is already blessed. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. So we're in a situation where they called on Jesus for help. And Jesus arrives at the location where help is needed. But the first thing is, first thing that Jesus tells them is move the stone. So the one in need of miracle, Lazarus, is in the tomb. And between Jesus and the man, there is a barrier, which is uh, the, the, the stone, the big stone. And the first point I want to share with you this today is remove the barriers. Some of us are calling on Jesus to come and act in our situation. We want Jesus to be involved in our families. We want Jesus to be involved at our work. We want Jesus to act in our lives in one way or the other. But we ourselves have barriers between us and Christ, between the plan of God and our current situation. I believe Jeremiah 29, 11, when it says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That's the mind of God for us. But how many times we put barriers between us and God and Jesus told them, move the stone. Now we have to understand the stone, we're not talking about a little rock. 
We're talking about a massive stone. The, we're not counting something that was 100 pounds or 200 pounds. I know some of y'all go to the gym and you, uh, like, what's the highest? Like, maybe you bench press 200 pounds? The stone, we would, they estimate it to be between one to three tons. One ton is 2,000 pounds. So we're talking about something that is massive. We're talking about something big. And, and, and for some of us, we have barriers in our life that when we look at them, they, they, they're massive. They're massive barriers of, of, of religion, right? Where, where religious beliefs have taught us that, oh, you know what? If you're, especially like in our Haitian culture, right? Um, we have Haitians, we have three professions. What are they? Doctor, lawyer, engineer. That's it. Like God did not create other careers. And like if you go to Haiti, you only have doctors. That's it. And, 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 and Christians, we have all. Well, if you're a Christian, you cannot be a, a singer. And so now all the singing is done, except obviously the gospel singing. But all the singing that the people listen to is done by people that are corrupt. Well, maybe we need a few hits that are not, that don't bring corruption, but that bring the word of God. But we create barriers between us and the destiny that God has for us. Or barriers of, of past sins. Like we, we did stuff in the past, and we think because we did this in the past, God is done with us. And, and, and one might ask, you know what, Jesus is coming, and, and he's saying move the stone, he's about to raise a man from the dead, why doesn't he use his power to just remove the stone? I mean, he fed the, 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 um, he fed the, the people, he walked on water, he did a whole lot of miracles. What is moving a stone? Like he could just use his power, right? Like, like in the, 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 the Marvel movies and just move the stone. Jesus did not use his power to move the stone because men could do that. God doesn't need anything from us, but God wants us to participate with him, uh, with him on his plan on earth. For some reason that it's hard for us to understand, God wants us to be co-workers with him. If you follow with me real quick in 1 Corinthians 3.9, Paul says... For we are co-workers with God, in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. We are co-workers in God's service. And other passages, God, Paul says that God wants us to work with him. And this is the, um, the definition, right? In Greek it says synergos, which means sin, which is with ergos, ergonomic, right, to work, to work with a person. So it refers to a companion in the work, a fellow worker, the person, one who labors with another in the furthering of the cause of Christ. And then this one, one whom God employs as an assistant, as it were, a fellow worker with God. So Jesus, his first order is for the other people to join with him in the miracle by removing the stone. 
Basically, what Jesus is saying is, you guys, you're responsible for doing what is possible, which is moving the stone. And then I'm going to take care of the impossible, which is raising the dead. And part of removing the barriers is to be willing to work with God in what God has called and, and to make us ourselves available to removing the barriers, to partnering with God so that God can have his way here on earth. James puts it this way in James chapter 2, verse 14 to 18. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have work? Can that faith save him? If that brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and, and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so James says, you know, you can have faith all you want, right? So we come to church, we wear the suit, but if that faith is not translated into practical action, practical venues where, where, where the will of God can be conduit, what good is that faith from? For, for instance, when we, when we had the earthquake in Haiti, right? That was a catastrophic event. That was a, a, a traumatic event for, for a lot of people. I believe 200,000 people lost their lives. That was rough. But then... God gave Pastor Hector, I believe, a vision. They say, we can do something about that, right? We cannot save the whole country, but we can do our little part. So he started the orphanage project, right? And then so over the course of several years, we built an orphanage in Haiti. The, the impossible part is the vision. We don't decide what vision God sends, right? But when God sends a vision, now the possible happens and the possible is when the community of God gathers together and say, okay, you know what? We're going to take those 50, 60, 70 kids and we're going to sponsor them and we're going to get behind them so that they also can have hope and they also can have a future and they also can have um, prosperity as they go forward. So we cannot save the whole country, right? We can't, I, I'm not running for president of Haiti. Are you running for president? You didn't see what they did to Jovenel? I wasn't, yeah, I ain't running. I ain't, I ain't going there. But we can help the children. So one way, practical way, that we can remove barriers for where the children, when they grow up, and they look at the blessing that they have, they'll know that that blessing was in the name of Jesus. So what we have, we have shoes. We have this, this standing during revival that's coming this week. If you have time, go buy shoes and bring them and we send them to Haiti. Or if you want to donate money for the shoes, donate money for the shoes. So that the children would have a little bit. And that is faith in action. But some of you, you know, you have a vision, you have a, a gift, something that God has given you. And, and you believe in your heart that it could happen. But are you taking the action to make it happen? I, I love it when I talk to the young people and they say, what you want to be? I want to be an NBA player. I believe it. I believe somebody from here can be... We have several people from Pompano. I think they're in the NFL. So why not the NBA? 
But are you training in the morning at 5 o'clock before it's time to go to school like KD was training, like LeBron was training, like Curry was training? Are you training like these guys are training or are you just an expert in 2K? 2K, if you don't know, it's a video game that you play basketball. What steps are you taking to partner with God for God's destiny in your life? So first, we remove the barriers, the religious barriers, the, the, the past sins. And by religious, I don't mean, and what we'll see later is that God wants a relationship. There's a difference between religion and relationship with God. Religion is a set of rules, and that set of rules allow you to keep God at bay. If you have a set of rules and you follow those rules, you think to yourself that you're okay, but you don't really have a relationship with Christ. And that's what we see a lot in the world, where you see people, they do that little piece of religious service, but then they're in the world acting like everybody else. But God did not come for us to have religion. He came for us to have relationship with him. That's why he came. They already had religion. They had Pharisees, Sadducees, they had that. But what they needed is a way to get to God. It's the way to be in relationship with God. So barriers of past sins, cultural barriers, where we think that our culture, that's, this is what we do. We don't do these other things. Do you know how many, how many Haitians you know work on the oil rig? Like on the sea. We don't do that, right? How many, you know, are investors in Wall Street? How many, you know, are designers, designing things, designing houses, architects, uh, car designers, all of that? But all of those fields are available to you if that's how God has created you. But we have barriers because we think that, okay, if I, I'm going to be a doctor, if I can't be a doctor, I'm going to be a nurse. There's nothing wrong with being a nurse. My mom's a nurse. The best thing is when your mom's a nurse, every boo-boo you got, she got a remedy. Amen. And if she's a Haitian nurse, she got a tea. Amen. All that good stuff. But there's more. And there's more out there for you if you just remove the barriers. So we have a situation where Martha, Mary, they called on Jesus and Jesus came and Jesus came and Jesus says, remove the stone and, Jesus, and, and they're about to remove the stone and now the obstacle is not the stone anymore, it's Martha herself. Look what Martha says. Martha says, hey, but Lord, Lord, wait, wait, wait. By this time, there will be an order, for he has been dead for four days. She called on Jesus to come take care of the situation. And when Jesus gives an order, she herself now gets in the way of that order and says, No, 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 wait, Jesus, you can't do this because... How many times we call Jesus to take care of a business, but when he tells us what to do, we tell him, no, 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 Jesus, not this way. We want you to take care of it, but not this way because... And, and don't get me wrong, I can understand her um, because I don't know if you've ever um, 
Okay, I'm going to share something maybe a little personal. We used to live in a city, right? And I'm not going to name the name of the city because you guys don't think I'm throwing shade. But that city apparently had a problem with rats. Now, I love Florida. One of the best things with Florida is palm trees. You have to understand, when you're born in the north and the winter is, is gray and, 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 and the slush is brown and... Uh, but then you come here, it's nice. The landscaping is nice. The palm trees are nice. But I'm going to give you a tip for when you have your house. Never let the palm trees touch the roof. Because if the palm trees touch the roof, what the, do the rats do? They climb off the palm tree and they use the palm tree as a bridge to be into your house. Now there's three ways you can know if you have rats in your house. One, you see them. Right? You see one, and you're like, man, this, in Bible study, we're studying um, Genesis, either Garden of Eden. There is no way these creatures were in the Garden of Eden. This is a product of the fall, for sure. So, this first way, you see them. Second way, you hear, ah! Somebody else saw them. Right? And now, and now, since you're the guy of the house, they expect you to go hunting. I didn't study in hunting. I studied accounting. But then the third way you could know is God forbid one of them up there in the roof, if one of them dies, oh, it's going to smell. It's going to smell like something you never smelled before. It's not, it's going to smell. And so now you have up there, you have the trap and you, 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 you want to, Go up, but me, me, I'm not going up there. I, I'm, not, I'm not that brave. Other people are brave. Blondes are brave. Me, I, I ain't that brave. I ain't going up. Next thing you know, you go up and, and the little monster, rah! and then you fall, you break your... No, no, not for me. Not for me. So what we do is we call the exterminator. The exterminator comes, and now the exterminator, he's trained, and he goes up there, and he takes care of business, and he removes, and then he puts those traps, those black boxes. By the way, if you go to your favorite restaurant, and you see black boxes in the back, and you smell some, that, ain't, that is not the chicken, okay? That's something else. I'm just saying. And so, the exterminator, he's the one, and he goes and he takes care of business. I don't know about you, but I'm very grateful for a God who's not afraid of a little stench. He's not afraid of bad orders in my life. And God, he's the one that's willing to go up there where it's dirty, where it's nasty, where it's dangerous. He's the one. And in this situation, you can imagine where Martha says, oh, I mean, a, a rat is this big. Can you imagine a grown man? But Jesus is not afraid. Jesus is not afraid to get into the needy, greedy, dirty aspects of our lives. And that's the problem. Sometimes we, we created these mindsets, these barriers, where we think that because we don't fit the Instagram Christianity, right, where everything is nice and dandy, that Jesus is done with us. Jesus is never done with you. Jesus is never, ever, ever done with you. No matter what you did, you can come to Christ. You can go to Christ. And now, the problem that Martha has, the reason she said to Jesus, don't do it, don't remove the stone, is because she knew Jesus as the God who healed the sick. 
but she did not know him yet as the God who raised the dead. So she had personal relationship with Jesus. She was hanging out with Jesus, but she had limited understanding of the extent of Jesus' power. And this would be a milestone revelation for her when Jesus would raise the brother from the dead. And it's a milestone for us too, because this is a pre, a foreshadowing of Jesus' own death. Where he was going to die and he was going to rise. And because Jesus rose from the dead, now us as we live in this life, we look to Jesus with the understanding that one day everybody that gave their life to Christ will rise with him from the dead. And so, remove your barriers and remove your doubt. Here's what Jesus tells her. Jesus responds to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And that's slide 11 for whoever's doing the presentation. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? When Jesus said that, she thought he was going to heal her brother. But sometimes the glory of God requires for us to go through something that's even harder than we thought. But never, whatever you're going through, and you might be going through something that's extremely hard that you never imagined that you would be going through, understand that keeping your eyes on Christ, God somehow, some way, he's going to be glorified. So remove your doubt. Do not doubt God. And sometimes we, we naturally, we have doubts. And we don't think, we think, okay, you know what, the stories in the Bible, yes, God did these amazing things then, but is he doing amazing things now? Yes, God served, like when you go to, um, uh, what is it, uh, December 31st, right, when we have the service, you have all those, uh, those people, they come and they give testimony of what God has done in their life, right? They were in the car accident and, and the car's total, but their body does nothing. But then you were getting a car accident and it's a fender bender and you break your neck. And you're like, why God? Why me? But Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? And I want to tell you today that God, the same God that did the miracles back then, the same God that parted the Red Sea for Moses, the same God that, that, that defeated Goliath for David, the same God is the same God that we're serving today. The same way that he did the miracles in the past, he can do miracles today. James says, once again, in chapter 5, verse 17, 18, he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. We're no different Basically what he's saying, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. We're no different than them. They, they, by the way, if you read the Bible, you see all these guys, all these ladies, they all messed up. They weren't super duper people. They were all messed up. But they serve a super duper God. 
While Moses was a murderer, David was an adulterer, a murderer, and a um, committed treason. Uh, Abraham was a liar. They all had their things. They had the same nature as us. But they were serving a mighty God that was able to use even them. It's like the song that says, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. But the question is, are we available to be used? Are we available to be used? So remove the barriers, remove your doubt. But sometimes, sometimes you have to remove yourself. You have to remove yourself. Verse 43, after they moved the stone, that's the part where Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. And you see, the, the stone they could move, the, the believe she could believe, but the one thing they could not do is they could not raise the man from the dead. That was Jesus' part. And what I want to tell you is as we're partnering with God, you're responsible for the possible, but God is responsible for the impossible. You, 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 you can act and you can work and you pray, you do everything you can, but at a certain point there's some things that you're not going to be able to do. And at those moments, it's time to let go and let God. It's at those times, is the time where you pray, you get on your knees, you pray. And I know some of you might be going into those situations where, where you feel like it's life and death. It's a situation that you cannot control. But I want to tell you this afternoon, God is in control of that. You can, there's some things at a certain point that you cannot do. You can only get on your knees and trust God to act. And then trust God for the results. And sometimes the result is not the result that we want to see, but it's going to be the result that's going to glorify God in the end. Sometimes, and especially like, you know, you have the type A personality. As humans, sometimes we want to do things, but there's certain things that we cannot do. There are certain powers that we do not have, but we serve the God that has all power. So that's when we get on our knees and we pray and we pray. And then when God makes his decision, we live with the decision. But we never doubt God. We never, we never lack trust in him. Because the Bible says, all things work together for the good of those who God loves. We don't necessarily always understand it. But we can always trust him. We can always believe him. Because he's faithful. So sometimes we just have to remove ourselves and say, God, I can't do this. I can't take care of this. You see this situation. You see my job. They're getting on my case. You see at home. They're getting on my... I can't take care of this, Lord. You take care of it. And trust him with the results. And in this situation, Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. I wonder if we have people here that you're like in a cave. Or maybe you're watching online and you feel like you're in a cave. Yes, your body is, is, is moving, but your heart is dead. Your soul is, you feel dead inside. But Jesus is telling you, come out. It's time to come out. It's time to come alive. It's time to rise. Lazarus couldn't do it on his own. 
It took the power of the Holy Spirit to come in and then raise him. So remove the barriers, remove your doubt, remove yourself, meaning trust God. But then when you come alive, remove the limitations. Verse 44, they, Lazarus comes out and they say, now he's alive. But as the custom was, he was binded with, 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 with he was binded with, um, with wrap. They, they wrapped him. And so they, they told him, unbind him and let him go and, and, and that's some of us now where we're alive we're, we're there but we're so happy to be alive that we forget to live we're so happy to be alive that we are now limited in, in our movement when Lazarus was alive but he was bind, all wrapped up and he couldn't move and we're limited in our movements we're limited in our in what we believe our capacity is but Jesus says, unbind him, let it go. Eventually, the, the, the second part of the miracle is not only that you become alive, it's not only that you receive Christ, but that it's you live fully the life that Christ has intended for you. He says, I came for my sheep to have life and have it in full, to have it in abundance, right? To live. So unbind your limitation, the same limitation that we were talking about, of a cultural limitation, a social limitation. Oh, America is this type of country. They're not, they're, they'll, they're, they won't accept this. Well, it doesn't matter what they'll accept or won't accept. It matters what God told you to do. It matters what God has called you to do. So the, the real question is not about the possibility. The real question is about positioning. Are you in the position that God has called you to be? Right? So living life in the fullest doesn't necessarily mean becoming a millionaire. It doesn't necessarily mean being in uh, uh, professional sports or being famous or being this or that. Living life to the full is being in the position that God has called you to be. You're never as safe as you are in the hands of God. Right? Some people, they don't want to go full on to what God has called them to be because the biggest limitation of all is the comfort zone. It's because you get comfortable in this area. You're comfortable in, in Pompano. You're comfortable here. So you never want to go explore what God has out there for you. You might have the desire inside, but you never take the step because you're limited in your belief. Like Martha was limited in her belief. She thought that Jesus was the God of healing, but not the God of resurrection. And, and I think sometimes we come to church, but we don't understand who we're coming to worship. We don't, we don't come to worship a little God. We come to worship a great God. We come to worship the God that created everything. So guess what? If he created everything, he can make a way. He can make a way. When there's no way, when, when, when our backs are against the wall, like the song says, he made a way. So don't live a life of limitations. Live life to the fullest. And living life to the fullest is being in the position that God has called you to be. And that position, like, you look at the professions in the Bible. Abraham, David, they were shepherds. Moses was born in the palace, but then God used them in the desert. Joseph was born in the desert, but then God used him in the palace. Uh, 
Daniel was a government official. We all have different positioning of God, but they were all men of God, all doing the will of God. Where has God positioned you to be? You know, Jesus could die on the cross for us. He died on the cross for us. But you know what Jesus can't have for you? He can't have courage. You need to have courage. You need to have the courage to follow the conviction that God has given you. And so Jesus told them, unbind him. Let him go. And for us, unbind. Let you live the life that God has called you to be. Take the chance. I was watching a video this week. It's kind of, it was kind of scary where this guy, he went parachuting and the thing wrapped, right? It, 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 it kind of got tangled. And so now he's falling and you can see the video. So they have the, the, the head cam that shows how he's trying to untangle the parachute. And then you see the, the white shot of him and he's falling and he's falling and he's untangling and untangling and untangling. And at the last second before he hits the ground, he's able to untangle it and, and he flies. But sometimes that's how life with Christ is. Sometimes you have to jump. And you don't know if the parachute is going to work. Or you're going to figure out the parachute as you go. But understand this. Jesus will not let you touch the ground. He will not let you touch the ground. He will undo the parachute at the right time. When Peter was, the other human that walked on water was Peter. When he was walking on water, he started to have doubt. He started looking at the storm. He's looking at the wind. And he had doubt. And he started to sink. But guess what? Jesus did not let him drown. Jesus picked him up. He did not let him drown. Sometimes I'm asked, how do you know it's God's will? You know, you pray, you, you look, if you have peace, all of that stuff. But eventually you got to take a step. You got to take a step. I have little children. When we cross the street, when we walk around like here, they're holding my hand. But when we cross the street, I'm holding their hand. If we cross Sample Road, there's no way I'm trusting them to, to hold me. I'm holding. Right? So if they want to run, they can't run too far. Casting Crown says, you're not, I'm not holding on to you. You're holding on to me. Jesus is holding on to you. So you can go out there because Jesus is the one that's holding. Jesus take the wheel. Jesus is the one that's holding you. And the last point is remove ungratefulness. Sometimes we think of Jesus like a vending machine. We get the miracle, but do we come back to say thank you? And look at what Jesus said himself, verse 41, 42. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. He says, Father, I thank you. Now I know that you always hear me. How does he know that his father always hears him? It's because of the relationship. It's because they're in relationship from the beginning of times and the intimacy is so much that I know he's going to have my back. 
Like for instance, the other day, Pastor Perry said, hey, David, um, give him 20 bucks. Okay, 20 bucks. Why is he able to do that? It's a relationship. It's the understanding. So, yo, bro, I need pate. I need Haitian pate. I know I'm going to get the pate. Why? Because of the relationship. Now, Jesus said this for what? He said, I did this for account of those who are watching. Right? So for our account, he thanks God. And now we understand that we also have to have relationship with God where we're so intimate and have that gratefulness. Right? Jesus did not just do the miracle for Lazarus to go on by his life, but it's because they were friends. It's to have relationship. Just follow with me. Last passage for today. John 12, verse 1 and 3 says, 6, so the following chapter, six days before the Passover, Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at, at, at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Six days before the Passover, if you understand what this is, this is the last week of Jesus' life on earth. At Passover, he was going to be crucified. And what, what he chose to do with his time is to spend it with that family. And in those cultures, when you're dining with someone, that means you accept them. That means they, you, you receive them. Jesus saved Lazarus from the dead, not only to do a good deed, but to be in relationship with him. What God wants more, see, God doesn't need anything from us. But what God wants is everything from us. So Christianity is not only about your wealth, it's not only about your health, but it's about your heart. It's about does your heart belong to God? Do you have that relationship, that communion with God? Do you have that communion with God? Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. Stand at the door and I knock. Whoever opens, I will come in. And I will have dinner with them. Meaning I will be in relationship with them. And whoever conquers like I conquered, I will have them sit on the throne with me like I sat on my father's throne. Now understand the level of intimacy that means. That means when you're saved, you're in the inner circle of Jesus Christ. You're in that proximity with him. And that's the, the last miracle that Jesus did when he raised a man from the dead. He raised him so that they could be in relationship. At the last week of his life, when Jesus had to choose who he was going to spend the last moment with, he chose Lazarus. He chose to spend time with Lazarus. So as we close, my call to you today is to come out. Because Christ is with you. If you're in relationship with Christ, Christ is with you. There's a missionary called David Livingston that did missions in Africa. And he did a whole bunch of things. And he said this. He said, God send me anywhere only go with me. 
lay any burden on me, only sustain me, and sever any tie in my heart except the tie that binds my heart to yours. And that's what has to be our prayer. Jesus, you can do anything you want as long as you're here. You can send me anywhere as long as you're there. You can put the burden on me, but you give me the strength to be able to sustain it. And so my call to you is to come out. Come out of that tomb. Come, come out of that lukewarm Christianity and be fully dedicated to Christ because he is with you.